the church family here, our family here, not, I mean, the, uh, the people watching online don't know this, but my husband and I have been here at the church for a few months, three or four months, and um, I was so excited in the very beginning to find out that uh, Pastor Scarlett had her podcasts online because I thought, you know, we're only here twice a week and we're not here for long and there's not a lot of opportunity to get to know our pastors. And if I watch these podcasts, this is going to give me an opportunity to get to know at least Pastor Scarlett um, more than I would if I just waited to talk to her for a couple minutes every week. So, and I was also still off school. So I was able to watch all of the podcasts that she had posted online to that point. And then, of course, I've been watching them since then. And the most recent one that she had posted was uh, her interview with Pam Bollinger. Bollinger. I listened to her say her name, and I'm trying to pronounce it correctly because I pronounced it wrong the last time. But Pam Bollinger, um, and she said something in her interview that just grabbed my heart. And and it hasn't let go. And it's kind of put me on a course. And what she said was, if anyone were to ask her, what is the most important thing as a Christian in our walk with the Lord? What is the most important thing? She said, it's intimacy with God. And I thought, yes, it is intimacy with God. The word tells us we're the bride of Christ. What kind of bride is going to be a bride to her husband if she doesn't know him, if she's not familiar with him, right? So that got me kind of on a quest, which I have a feeling I'll still be on when the trumpet blows and we go up into the air. But that's okay because we've got time and I want to learn. But we're going to start tonight in Ephesians 5.22. This is very familiar um, passages to all of us. Um, and in, I have to confess that in my early life, I wasn't a fan of this passage, but I have become a fan of this passage because it starts, wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. As the church is subject to Christ, so let wives also be subject in everything to their husbands. Husbands. Love your wives, all, uh, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Isn't that beautiful? He's going to present us to himself, and he's going to look at us and see splendor. I don't know about you, but that's thrilling to me. That she might be holy and without blemish. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no man ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Well, I like the fact that Scripture equates marriage here on earth as a type and shadow of Christ and the church. And I only have my marriage to use as an example. So I already told Dave that he's going to be talked about tonight. 
So Dave and I had an unusual courtship, and that we're saving that for another message. Um, but as I've thought about it recently, I've realized that what we experienced followed a pattern that sort of mirrors, in a way, our courtship with the Lord. And I chose that word on purpose because I love the Old Testament thought of courtship because it's a gradual revealing of oneself to the other. Um, and where did I go after that? And there we are. Okay, and after all, we are all believers. Uh, as believers, we are the bride of Christ. Revelation 19, 6-8 tells us that. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. We won't even have to go shopping when we marry the lamb because we're given our beautiful clothes. I like that. Well, before Dave and I ever knew each other, I had heard about him. Good things. But we lived a great distance apart. And so the only way I could introduce myself to him was in a letter. And those don't exist much anymore. But I wrote him a letter, and he wrote me back, and we began a communication through letters. And, in fact, that was our only communication, was through the written word for a while. But through those letters, I got to know him, to know how he thought, what was important to him. I learned about his character, the kind of man he was. I learned that he was a man who loved deeply and took his responsibilities very seriously. But how do we learn about God? We begin to know him through his word, his letters to us. They reveal who he is and what he thinks, what's important to him. We can also learn about the things he cherishes and holds sacred, the things that are non-negotiable for him and those who walk with him. I want to approach the word of God every day as if what I'm reading begins with, my dearest Michelle. Because it's a love letter from the Father. After months of writing letters back and forth to each other, Dave and I began talking on the phone. Of course, this was back in the day when it cost a whole lot of money to make long-distance phone calls. And we joked that it cost too much to keep making these phone calls. We might as well get married. And so we did. So we got married. During those calls, though, Dave's voice became familiar to me. The sound of his voice brought comfort and encouragement. I learned to hear his tears and his laughter. I heard his frustration and his fatigue. His voice brought peace into chaotic moments in my life. It picked me up when I felt down and it took my breath away when it reminded me that there was someone on this earth who cared deeply for me. God's word tells me that I know the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of a stranger I will not follow. Sometimes I hear the voice of God in a nudge or a prompting to do something or read a particular passage of scripture or to give a smile or a hug or a kind word to someone. 
I'm learning to hear my father's voice and to respond to it. I remind myself often that if he said I know his voice, then I do know his voice. I set myself in agreement with him, and I will have those things that he said I will have. It wasn't until after Dave and I married and entered into covenant relationship that we began to experience the two becoming one flesh that the Bible speaks of. We have learned that our covenant requires us to forgive one another when we fall short. It requires us to love each other more than we love ourselves. Excuse me. It requires us to prefer each other. We have not always gotten it right. In fact, we've gotten it wrong a lot. But the longer we're together, the better life is. We have experienced what Brother Kenneth Hagin used to say about good, godly marriage. It is the closest thing to heaven on this earth. When we first married, I hate to say it, but I didn't love Dave in the same way I do now. But I have learned over the past 33 years, and I am still learning, how to be a wife to him. The kind of wife he wants, and the kind of wife God wants me to be. I think he would have to admit that there were some rough seas at times, because I didn't know what I didn't know. And honestly, now that I look back, I really didn't know how to be a good wife. God didn't have the best wife in his bride, Israel, either. Even when Israel betrayed her husband, God, he still loved her. He still wooed her. Let's look at some passages in Hosea. God's people, Israel, failed miserably to be the covenant partners they should have been. But over and over again, he forgave her and drew her back to himself. The Lord instructed the prophet Hosea to take to himself, and this is a quote, a wife of whoredom. Probably not the word from the Lord that he was hoping for. However, um, he was obedient to God. And why do I keep doing this? Hosea's trials with or because of his wife were similar to the unfaithfulness of Israel to God. They continually returned to idol worship and placed their dependence on other nations rather than trusting God to be a true husband and provider. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 5, the word says of Israel, For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. But God responds in verse 5 by saying, And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. After he spoke more of her sin and the punishment she deserved, he went on in verses 14 and 15 to say, Therefore, behold, I, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. God reveals his heart even more when he says in chapter 6 of Hosea, verse 6, For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. 
the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God not only knows our hearts, he wants our hearts to long for him. The clearest picture of the heart of God that I see for the, his love for the church, his bride, is in the prayer Jesus prayed in John 17. And I, I know you're familiar with this, and if you are, you know how beautiful and how rich his prayer is. Our Lord and Savior is pouring his heart out to God, and all, while all of his prayer expresses his love for God and his love for us, I'd like us to look at just a few verses. So let's start in John 17, 14. And this is Jesus praying. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that they that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Jesus was praying for us, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you've sent me. Our mission, we should be living lives that the world sees, and because of our lives, they know that God sent Jesus to earth for them. And let's skip down a little further where Jesus says, Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Dave and I have grown closer and more intimately acquainted with each other the longer we've been together, but that never would have happened had we not spent a lot of time alone together. Not, um, hang on, I am just messing up. Had we not lingered in each other's presence. If the only time we shared together was when there were other people around or our thoughts were consumed by home or our kids or our jobs or watching TV, we would not have developed real intimacy. Sometimes it's enough for us to simply be in the same room together, even though we're reading different books or doing different things. Knowing that he's near is wonderful. But the times that are precious are those when we are alone and quiet when we share the desires of our hearts with each other, when we can look into each other's face and look into each other's eyes and see the love flowing there. Our Heavenly Father spared no expense to buy us back from the evil one. He fathered one child in all of eternity, past, present, and future, poured his love into his son, and then asked the unthinkable of him. God asked Jesus to willingly sacrifice himself so that each of us could be washed 
by that precious blood he shed and made clean. Only then can we come boldly into his presence. There we will meet him in private. There we will hear his voice and see his face. With the eyes of our spirit. There we will sense his immense and incalculable love for us. There he will refresh and renew us as we become more intimately acquainted with him. There we will become sons and daughters of God he destined us to be. There we will know him, our Lord. Our bridegroom. Let's take a few minutes to express our love for God and meditate on what it means to spend time in his presence, to share intimacy with him. I've asked Dave, Dave to play and to lead us in the song, In Your Presence. I don't think we have the words, um, but you'll know it. And if you don't, just worship God. <clears throat> In your presence, that's where I'm strong. In your presence, oh Lord my God. In your presence, that's where I belong. Seeking your Touching your grace in the cleft of the rock, in your presence, O God, I want to go where the rivers cannot overflow me. To hide where the blazing fire cannot burn me in your presence, O God. In your presence, that's where I am strong. In your presence, O Lord, my God. Where I belong, seeking your face, touching your grace in the cleft of the rock, in your presence, oh God, I want to hide where the flood of evil cannot reach me, where I'm covered by the I want to be where the schemes 
waves of darkness cannot touch me. In your presence, O oh God, in your presence, that's where I am strong. In your presence, O oh Lord my God, in your presence, that's where I We come into your presence tonight, Father, for no reason other than to love you and to worship you and to hear from you because we know you love us and we know you speak to us. We know that you have longed for us to long for you. And I ask you, Father, for each and every one of us that our hearts will desire to know you more intimately, more intimately every day, until one day we can see you face to face. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we ask you to draw us in to those quiet moments with the Lord. Prompt us to go into our prayer closet and close the door and just stand before you, sit before you, kneel before you as we worship you, as we love you, as we simply spend time in your presence. Help us to know you more to know you more deeply. Oh, we praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Take me to the holy of holy. Take me
Scarlet has said that really spoke to me was that even we're all mature adults and he ta- she talked about Sarah and even in Sarah's old age she conceived I believe that with all the time left that we have here on earth however much time that is I believe that the Lord wants to draw each of us into a deeper, richer, more intimate relationship with him. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will be prompting us. And my prayer is that we will all be obedient, as Dave prayed earlier, be doers of the word. And we will be instant, in season, and when the Spirit asks us to come aside, we won't hesitate. We'll stop what we're doing. We'll come aside and be alone with our bridegroom. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. Amen.